You are listening to the APSI Podcast, the association of people supporting employment first, with your host, Chris Davies. Hello, everybody, and, and welcome back to the uh, Minnesota APSI video podcast Zoom room. Uh, great to have you back uh, today for our third podcast in our series, and we are delighted to have the public policy director with the Arc of Minnesota here today with us, Alicia Munson. Say hello, Alicia. Hey, Chris. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to join you today. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, so everybody, you know, that has been uh, following our podcast probably remembers that I always like to start out uh, before we get into our conversation here with Alicia, uh, just talking a little bit more about Minnesota APSI. And uh, we started these podcasts uh, last uh, last February, and, and this is our third in a series, and and it's something we're really enjoying. And you you might remember from our last podcast that uh, with the pandemic, we're doing these via Zoom right now. So uh, this is the official uh, Zoom room for the Minnesota Apsi podcast. And I always like to remind everybody uh, a little bit about you know what Minnesota Apsi uh, stands for by by reading our our purpose statement. So Minnesota APSI is an action-oriented organization, and we exist to, to bring people together, uh, to raise expectations so that people with disabilities can be employed, and they can contribute, and they can assume their roles and responsibilities as citizens in their communities. Uh, employment, we believe employment is the same wages, standards, responsibilities, expectations and opportunities available to any working adult. Uh, it's a, you know, a, a one person at a time is our focus. And uh, we believe that employment is indeed the avenue out of poverty and, and isolation. And I know our, our guest here today uh, strongly believes that as well. And that's one of the reasons we're so happy to, to have her. Again, uh, introducing our, our guest for today, Public Policy Director of the ARC Minnesota, Alicia Munson. Hey. So Alicia, uh, how long have you been with the ARC of Minnesota? I've been with the ARC for about three and a half years now. And, so, and, what, oh, and what about your, uh, your background in public policy? Yeah, well, I started um, my career in the disability services field over 10 years ago now. Um, I started out as a direct support professional for a provider in the West Metro. I have a degree in political science and had done some community organizing work, grassroots advocacy work, uh, and internships and jobs in college. And so when I was working at the provider, they really wanted to start a public policy program. They wanted to support the individuals they served in um, getting their self-advocacy group off the ground. And so I was able to work into a role doing public policy and self-advocacy full-time for, for that provider. And when it was time for a change, I transitioned to a role as the government affairs director for a green industry trade association. I was there for like 10 months and I thought it was really good to kind of learn a little bit more about a different policy area. I had spent my entire time at that service provider learning about human services policy. Um, and so I got to be in ag committees and environment committees, which is really interesting. But of course, um, when my predecessor, Steve Larson retired, 
uh, they, this job opened up and I took a shot and I got the role and I just feel honored every day to be doing what I'm doing and to work for the team at the ARC. Fantastic. A wealth of experience. And uh, I, I know the ARC of Minnesota is very happy and very lucky to have you uh, as well. Thanks. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's one thing about Zoom. It's kind of like talking on a cell phone. You tend to interrupt each other <laughs> once in a while, so especially me. So I'll apologize in advance to everybody out there watching today and to you, of course. So let's uh, let's get into it, shall we? Let's get into yeah. our conversation. Uh, you know, the first thing we want to talk about is um, just you know, from your perspective, how has this uh, this pandemic, uh, the the COVID nineteen pandemic, and the the uh, uh, and the impact it's had on people with disabilities in Minnesota? You know, what uh, what are you seeing? Well, again, you mentioned earlier. In COVID times, you guys are here in my living room with me. So um, I think it's been it's been really interesting in the in the many many different ways that all of us have been impacted by the pandemic. Right, starting with the stay at home order, uh, the isolation and kind of um, separation that resulted from that, and kind of coming full circle again as we head into the winter months, uh, seeing some of that. And that was really one of the very first things that we were working to help address is the isolation and segregation of people with disabilities as a result of the pandemic, right? I think one of the things that we were seeing right away was this immediate public health response around safety and protection. Um, and, and there were kind of some concerning pieces of guidance that were issued, um, kind of indicating that people who have disabilities should be segregated or isolated in their bedrooms, even if nobody in, in their household had a case of COVID. I mean, those kinds of things went above and beyond the ways that the rest of us were responding to the pandemic. And so we worked really hard to um, lean on those relationships we have within the Department of Human Services to help inform any guidance that would impact the rights of people accessing home and community-based services to really make sure that their rights under law were were protected and were first and foremost in considerations about any guidance. Um, and then we started to develop some new relationships within the Department of Health, which has been fantastic. And we've really developed some strong connections and partnerships with the team over there as well. Um, so while a lot of these um, things started as challenges and concerns, we've really seen them grow into opportunities, again, to do some relationship building to help make sure that what's important to and for Minnesotans who have disabilities is really reflected in the pandemic response on a broad scale. And that includes individuals access or their right to access employment supports, right? Um, working with those state agencies to make sure that there was guidance stating that individuals who have disabilities, once kind of the lockdown was over, once the stay at home order was lifted, they had the right to go back to work, uh, just like many of us did. Or they could kind of choose a different set of supports to help them maybe work remotely, um, build on their skills in a different way. So that's something that we've really been working on um, since March and, and trying to see through the duration of the pandemic. Yes, and I, I can tell you firsthand, uh, as you might remember, uh, have some experience of, of benefiting you know, from that work. Uh, for those of you that, that don't know watching today, 
as well as being on the, the board of Minnesota APSI for the last uh, 11 years. I'm also the director of operations for a customized employment agency. And we had a situation uh, uh, right, you know, when the lockdown was over and, and like you said, the, uh, the, the sort of the standards weren't the same for people mm -hmm. with disabilities or, or people without in terms of how people were handling and navigating, you know, through the pandemic. And, and somebody that we support who has their own job out in the community was being told they can't go to work and they mm -hmm. have to stay in their, their, their room. And if they, uh, or if they um, were to go to work, they would have to live somebody somewhere else. And yeah. uh, we reached out to you and, and you helped uh, point us to, to some of the uh, uh, DHS uh, positive, uh, you know, support uh, guidelines and, and what uh, people's rights were and offered to, I know, connect us with individual advocates as well. And, and that was very useful to our, our staff and they were able to use that information and, and help that person get back to work. So, so I saw firsthand the, the, the benefits of, of that, uh, that advocacy. Good. I'm so glad to have been able to help. And again, it really was, um, in partnership with a lot of different organizations, the Disability Law Center has been working really proactively about this. Um, the leadership at the Minnesota Consortium for Citizens with Disabilities has been at the table. So really just, at, you know, and many providers engaged in these conversations as well, right? They want to be making sure that they're making decisions that are again, upholding individuals' rights around uh, decision-making, their self-determination, their autonomy, and, and as all of us are doing, kind of taking calculated risks so that we navigate the pandemic. So it really has been a strong and coordinated effort from, from so many folks in the disability community to kind of help make sure that we are figuring out the best way to move forward through all of this. Right, right. And it is, I mean, I think everybody out there knows because they're all living through this with yeah. us, just like you and I are. Uh, there, there are no judgments of, of what people decide to do or how they decide to navigate uh, the pandemic. But the bottom line is that everybody has the right to make that decision how they want to navigate it for themselves and uh, with a person perceived with or without a disability. So, yeah, that's that's great work. Um, well, let's let's move on to to another topic. Uh, I think everybody out there is is very aware that there was an election recently, <laughs> and uh, the, to to just put it mildly, and uh, so so how are the recent election uh, results, uh, you know, across the board, likely to impact work around disability policy initiatives in in Minnesota, and and if you're able to touch upon uh, nationally as well. That is such a huge question, Chris. I, um, I think, as you mentioned, it's not lost upon anybody that we had a really major election this year. And so all year long, the ARC Minnesota and many of our coalition partners were working to make sure that Minnesotans who have disabilities, their family members and allies were informed and empowered to vote in the election because so much really was at stake. Um, on the national scale, of course, voted for a new president. 
So Vice President Biden uh, was determined the winner of that election over current President Donald Trump. So he'll be sworn into office on January 20th of, of 2021. And we're seeing already some of that transition work going on, primarily focused around COVID and um, testing procedures and, and just how to continue to navigate this pandemic on, um, on a broad scale and, and address some of the economic impacts as well. We voted for a U.S. Senator here in the state of Minnesota who's going to represent our state in their work in Washington, D.C. So current U.S. Senator Tina Smith won re-election. So she'll be going in for a six-year term. I think one of the things that's interesting to consider in, in terms of our U.S. Senate races is, uh, you know, what's next for Senator Klobuchar, right? Um, she is a really prominent, long-standing member of the U.S. Senate, um, very well received on a bipartisan scale, works across the aisle, which has been one of the stated priorities of the new Biden administration. So there's a possibility that she could be up for for some type of appointment in the new administration, and that would open up her U.S. Senate seat, so we might have a special election sometime in the next couple of months. Then in the U.S. House of Representatives, it's interesting, Minnesota is one of the states in the country that's navigating really, truly kind of split party leadership. And our U.S. House representation is a great example of that. We now have four Democrats that are representing us in the U.S. House of Representatives, and we have four Republicans that are representing us in the U.S. House of Representatives. So it's been interesting to watch those races, right? Um, one major change was that longtime U.S. Representative Colin Peterson lost the election to Republican Michelle Fischbach in the 7th Congressional District that covers much of the um, eastern part, I'm sorry, western part of the state. Uh, so that's a that's a big shakeup there. And then, of course, we voted for all of Minnesota's state senators that work for us here in St. Paul, where I am, um, and all of our state members of the House of Representatives, too. So again, so many things on the ballot. Um, Again, like I mentioned, with the U.S. House of Representatives, where we have four Democrats and four Republicans, we have a split legislature as well, with the Senate Republicans retaining their majority by just one seat. And then the State House of Representatives, the Democrats or DFLers retaining control uh, in that body as well. So there were a few shakeups here and there, a couple of people um, switch seats, for instance, one of our champions uh, in disability policy, Senator Jerry Ralph, lost his seat um, in St. Cloud. Um, Matt Little, a Democrat, lost his seat uh, in the Southern Metro. So that's going to be interesting, kind of developing some new relationships with members that are coming in. And then in the House as well, so, some folks that lost their primaries even. And so it'll be interesting in this virtual world to work to develop relationships with new members that are coming in and to maintain the relationships that we have with people who are really influential champions for us currently, such as Tina Liebling, for instance, um, who has been chair of the Health and Human Services Committee who represents uh, down in Rochester. I think in terms of you know, your question around what that means for the disability community uh, in our policymaking and uh, legislative advocacy work, on a national scale, one of the things that we will continue to be keeping an eye out for is additional federal level COVID relief funding 
right? We had an infusion of um, federal dollars that were granted to states to help manage and navigate the, the COVID pandemic. One of the things that's continued to stay on the top of the ARC Minnesota's priority list is how to help address the challenges and barriers that students with disabilities are facing during distance learning. Um, and maybe of specific interest to, to the podcast listeners today is around how we can make sure that young adults accessing transition services are continuing to be able to do so. Those transition supports are really critical for some folks in securing competitive integrated employment after they graduate from high school, right? Getting the kind of job coaching, the mentoring, uh, connected to jobs and careers in their communities. So we want to make sure that if a, a young adult kind of ages out of transition services, that they may, might be have a, have a buffer during this time so that they continue to get some supports. We really are going to be asking our members of uh, Minnesota's congressional delegation to work at the federal level to uh, secure additional COVID relief funding and help direct some of those funds to the educational needs that students with disabilities in Minnesota have. And then on the state level, you know, it'll be interesting in these next couple months um, in early December, we'll see an, an updated fiscal forecast for the state kind of showing our financial health. Uh, there could be some really significant implications if, if the budget deficit is projected to be really, really large. You know, health and human services is kind of always one of those things that legislators look to for possible savings. Um, we'll see an updated projection in February. And I think, you know, like I mentioned earlier, from the ARC Minnesota's perspective, we have to be creative, we have to be innovative, we have to be flexible and nimble on how we're addressing the pandemic. So even if there are really significant cuts that are projected, we're going to be thinking about, okay, how can we continue to move the needle to help promote competitive integrated employment, help make sure that Minnesotans have access to the kind of job supports that help them be successful and individualized and customized jobs? Um, how can we make sure that even as we are thinking about restructuring some of our services and supports because of any cuts that are going to be proposed, that individuals' rights and their self-determination are still really at the forefront? Um, so a long answer to your big question. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens the next couple months. It is a really big question. And <laughs> uh, you really laid that out, I think, great for, for me and for, for our viewers here today. Uh, you know, it, uh, it truly is going to be a, a bipartisan effort, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I was... Uh, I was just counting one by one uh, after the election, the the uh, the Senate, uh, you know, the the state Senate uh, results, and uh, yeah, as you stated, uh, they it came down just one more, you know, on the Republican side than the the DFL side, uh, but uh, I, I, we have uh, there are people uh, that that advocate and champion uh, rights for people with disabilities on both sides. So it's, uh, it's a real, uh, a bipartisan effort for sure. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I was just going to kind of chime in. And like I Please. said earlier, Senator Jerry Ralph was a Republican in the Senate who we worked with really closely on some of our priorities. Another Republican leader in this space, of course, as you know, Senator Jim Abler, mm -hmm. um, Again, both Republicans on the House side, you have Democrats, like I, like I mentioned earlier, Tina Liebling, Democrat, 
Jen Schultz, Democrat, and, and in both bodies, we have those champions that really see the importance of making sure that Minnesotans who have disabilities are included in our communities, that their rights are upheld. We're so fortunate in this space to truly work in a nonpartisan way where these issues impact all of us, regardless of what party you you know, see yourself aligning with, um, no matter whether you are Republican or Democrat, uh, disability issues impact all of us. So it's something that we really do have the fortune to work um, across the aisle on. Absolutely. And, and people with disabilities are not Democrat, Republican, independent. They are simply people. And uh, people with disabilities are, are all of the above when it comes to uh, you know, in terms of what their affiliation is or how they mm -hmm. vote and, and, and view the world, just like the general population. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a person, it's a people uh, effort, not a, not a political effort or a partisan effort. Totally. Yep. Well, well, just, uh, you know, another big question, but more looking ahead, but also more specifically with, with Minnesota, you know, with the upcoming legislative session, which will be obviously unique uh, during uh, our pandemic time that we have, just like everything we do is a little unique right now and, and probably will be in some ways for, for you know, going forward. Uh, the world has changed, <laughs> there's no doubt. Uh, but let's talk about the upcoming legislative session in, in Minnesota. You know, what, uh, what can we expect? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, we have already been working for months to figure out what our legislative agenda is going to be and working with some of our really trusted coalition partners in that process. Um, one that I mentioned earlier, of course, the Minnesota Disability Law Center, the team at Legal Aid, we always work really closely with. But we've also been working, you know, with some provider agencies, um, LifeWorks, being one, which is a really prominent employment services provider, the team at Kaposia, um, John Alexander, your boss, who's one of our board members, we're really fortunate to have him on board. So working- I know you're talking about, yep. <laughs> you may have heard of him. You guys, you guys who are listening and watching may have heard are of him. Are you watching, boss? <laughs> Alex, you out there? Um, so, so we have just been working really closely and of course, with people who have disabilities, who are leaders in the self-advocacy space to tell us what they want to see us working on, right? And parents and family members to tell us what our priorities should be. Um, our priorities are really driven by our stakeholders in the community statewide um, and in, in partnership, like I said, with, with coalition. So one of the things that we are looking at right now is a technology first policy for the state. We have seen so many people who have disabilities be really, really successful in their employment, building a career path when they have access to the right assistive technology. And we think that technology, remote supports, assistive tech should be one of the first things that people consider as they're figuring out which different services and supports are going to be right for them. So we want to have a technology first statement that protects individuals access and informed decision making around remote services and AT. So that's one of the things that I think you can expect to see. One of the other things that we're working on right now is strengthening a set of policy statements that were passed during the first special legislative session. So I'm sure you guys know, um, but when the session ended, there were quite a few different things that were left undone just because of the nature of the pandemic and the way that um, the legislature had to shift to remote hearings and virtual uh, meetings just like we are today. Uh, so there were still some really big picture things that needed to get 
that needed to get done. Um, and so every single month, actually, the legislature has been coming back into session and we just wrapped up the sixth special legislative session of the summer fall. But um, right soon after the regular session ended, the legislature came back and they took up a huge, almost 400 page human services reform policy bill. One of the things in that policy bill was an employment first policy statement. You, Chris, have been engaged with the employment first work for many, many years. You know that Minnesota has had an employment first policy, but it's never been codified or it's never been in statute, which is just a fancy way of saying it's never truly been in our laws. Um, so that's what that's what happened is that there was um, an employment first statement that was put into law. And we really think that that can be improved. We think there are some ways to make that a little bit more robust to make sure again that um, individuals have access to a really robust informed decision making process that helps them navigate all the different types of supports that might be available to them and really presumes competence really presumes that people can and want to work before they take a look at other options um, for different types of supports that might be available to them so um, some some work in that space we expect to see too. So those are just a couple of things that I think are going to impact the folks that are that are interested that are tuning in. One of the things that we're monitoring or we're going to keep an eye out for at the federal level and at the state level is any policy proposals related to um, different services and supports around 14C or subminimum wage. Also a nonpartisan issue. Um, at the federal level during the Obama administration, the National Council on Disability recommended phasing out subminimum wage. And just recently under the Trump administration, the US Commission on Civil Rights, again, renewed the call for phasing out subminimum wage. So we really wanna be proactive. We wanna be thinking how we can help build capacity for competitive integrated employment, how we can get more people access to individualized job supports, customized employment, to really um, be able to respond to any proposals at the federal level or at the state level that would phase out subminimum wage. That's not gonna be coming from the ARC Minnesota directly as a part of our legislative agenda, but we wanna be prepared. We wanna avoid any unintended consequences of a structured phase out um, so that people aren't just not working all together. And just, again, make sure that people, no matter what level of support need you have, can be successful in employment. Yeah, no, that uh, that makes sense. Well, I, I think uh, our viewers can see why we, we had you on today, you know, to talk about uh, some of the the impact of, of the election and, and what we're looking uh, forward to. Uh, you, you truly do have a expertise on this subject, Alicia. It's been Thanks. it's been great to listen uh, listen to you today, and uh, you know I appreciate your uh, your sort of call outs to 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 us uh, as in um, our agency and uh, John Alexander and so many others who who made the employment you know first policy uh, reality and uh, it's it truly is a coalition. Uh, it's not just one person or one agency or anything like that. Uh, and the key is, yeah, to give people the opportunity not just to to make employment first a fancy slogan, but uh, you know, making it more robust, as you say, uh, and the law uh, truly puts people in the mindset that employment should be the first and preferred option and and that it's something you uh, opt out of and not something you opt into. 
you know, that everybody that wants to work uh, uh, deserves the opportunity and uh, to work. So, so it's good. Uh, it's good stuff. Thanks. And I, yeah, I would just say, I mean, I think people who have disabilities have just so many untapped skills and strengths and interests that can really change the way that all of us live together, right? The way that our economy functions, they have so many strengths to contribute to small businesses, large businesses, corporations, their own, their own businesses. And um, I just want to kind of quickly call out, give a shout out to a couple of the other folks um, and the self-advocates specifically that have been driving some of this work. I want to um, say yeah. hi to our friend, Kirk Langshin, um, who is a self-advocate that was um, really, really active in some of our employment advocacy up at the Capitol last legislative session. Um, Kirk gets job coaching supports from LifeWorks, but works at Peace Coffee and loves his job. Um, started out in uh, sub-minimum wage employment and was able to work his way into, yeah, kind of building on his unique skills and strengths into, um, you know, working. And so, hey, Kirk, just want to give him a shout out. He also was the um, public policy leader of the year for the Arc Minnesota this year. And of course, we'll be remiss um, if I didn't mention Eric and Kevin Marshall, who were really, really active up at the Capitol with us again, working on some employment proposals that we were moving through the process last session. Uh, really, really powerful testimony that they shared about the journey and kind of navigating different employment supports and finding the right fit of several different jobs that would work. So, and I know that they're both very engaged in Minnesota APSI too. Yeah, they sure are. They sure are. We uh, we've had the opportunity to actually have them in our, our very first podcast that we did. This was back in February. And so it was in studio uh, just, ah. before, just before everything changed. And uh, Eric told his story and all the wonderful things that, uh, that he's been up to. And and really from his perspective and his father's perspective, Kevin, who was also there, they they just gave us, uh, you know, from their point of view, uh, uh, their journey that they had to getting uh, integrated uh, competitive employment. And for Eric, you know, to to do that, I, I believe Eric said he had at least two jobs, if not three, you know, he did a, a lot of different things. And uh, as you, as you mentioned, uh, uh, testified uh, as well. Uh, so great, uh, great couple of great couple of guys. Oh, and Kevin is also on the Minnesota APSI board. So fellow board member as well. That's uh, as Eric's dad. Yeah. And great job, Kirk. I, I don't know if I've met you before, but I hope to someday and uh, appreciate all, all you do too, uh, pushing this forward. Uh, do you have anything else uh, that you'd like to leave with our, our viewers today, uh, Alicia? Yeah. One last thing I want to plug. I know all the folks that I just mentioned were really um, active at our Disability Advocacy Day at the Capitol last year, which we, again, as you mentioned, it was in February. So we were able to be together. It was before the pandemic really hit. This next year in 2021, we're going to be having a virtual event. So it'll be really different. It's still in the process of coming together, but I want folks to mark their calendars for Tuesday, February 23rd. That's again, when we're planning on having our virtual disability advocacy day at the Capitol, just because we can't be together, just because we're all meeting remotely, doesn't mean we can stop advocating for policy change that'll help improve the quality of life for Minnesotans who have disabilities. And so we still need to make sure that we are making legislators aware of the issues that are impacting our lives and really making disability policy a priority uh, throughout the legislative session. So again, 
Tuesday, February 23rd. We will share more details with you all as we get them, but please make sure to mark your calendars and we'll love to have you join us. Great. So again, that was Tuesday, February 23rd. And if somebody isn't currently getting updates and information from the Art Minnesota, what's the best way for them to do that? Ooh, good question. I'm so glad you asked that. Um, I put out, our team puts out a public policy newsletter every two weeks. It's called the Capital Connector. Um, and we share lots of information like the election updates that we talked about earlier, um, different proposals and priorities that we're having in the legislative session, action alerts to get engaged, information about events like Disability Advocacy Day. So I would encourage you to visit the ARC Minnesota's website. It's just arcminnesota.org and click on the public policy tab at the top of the page. You can kind of scroll down and um, just if you click on the first public policy page link, then at the very bottom of that page, there should be an option for you to sign up for the Capital Connector for that public policy newsletter. I would also just encourage folks to check out the ARC Minnesota's Facebook page. If you're connected to social media, we are really active on Facebook, sharing lots of information updates. Uh, we've been sharing updates about COVID. Um, we've been sharing, yeah, always sharing updates about what's going on in the legislature. So check that out too. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you. Yes, uh, that's it's important, uh, a great way to stay connected as well. And uh, for anybody out there that wants to learn more about uh, APSE, Minnesota APSE, Minnesota APSE's website is mnapse.org. And uh, we're a state chapter, uh, just like it sounds, a part of a national organization. Uh, APSE National is apse.org. So you can learn more about uh, national as well. And I think we're up to about 41 states right now uh, have active APSI uh, state chapters. So, well, thank you again so much uh, for joining us. Uh, this was uh, hugely uh, informative. Uh, I know I learned a, a lot more, you know, uh, than just watching uh, the, the cable news network, for <laughs> sure. You know, it's, it's good to get the real deal uh, uh, from, a, from an expert. So, Thank you so much again. Yeah. And, you know, I want to uh, also thank uh, some of the folks behind the scenes that make this happen for us. Our, our production team, Alicia Reichel, or excuse me, you're Alicia, uh, Andrea Reichel, and uh, Dana Eisfeld uh, really do a lot of work behind the scenes to, to make these podcasts come to life. And we also have somebody who does our, our post-production work for us. His name is Daryl Bolichek with Wild Horse Recording. Uh, so thank you to all those guys for all they do. And, uh, you know, I think that's our time here today. And uh, again, so enjoyable. So on behalf of Alicia, uh, myself, Minnesota APSI, uh, we're going to sign off. And I want to remind you all again, if you believe it, you can achieve it. Thanks, everybody, and uh, have a great winter. Yeah.